just in like how I felt going in at halftime. We come back out, and here comes the complacency. Here comes that team that I can't stand, that you can't stand, that you can't understand how in the world that happens to us. But it did, and uh, didn't turn it back on, I think, until late in the fourth quarter when we were able to go down and get a score, and we go down and then they tied up and we got overtime and you don't want to go in overtime because they have nothing to lose, nothing to lose. I was surprised that they kicked the field goal the first time. I thought they was just going to go for two and try the best to get it over with. But they were resilient. Big win by them. Uh, horrible loss by us. Let's go. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Joined by football analyst William Gardner for what feels more like a therapy session than a podcast. William, how have you been doing since uh, what happened Friday night bleeding into Saturday morning? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, I still am in a different it, – it's a much different thing with uh, Coach Prime in charge of things to – I think it, it's 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 – I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure where to start. Maybe we should, maybe we scripted this, but I think um, it's a different thing, both the way we lost because for the first time we lost to a less talented team. And yes, we lost to a less talented team. They clearly didn't have as much talent out on the field as we did. And you saw that in the first half. Um, and then something happened very significant at halftime. And these things happen in football. It's not the first time we've ever seen it. It's not the first time. It's not the only time it happened this week. So. Um, Yet I still feel like uh, we're on the right track in the longer term. Uh, it's hard to know what that means for us for this year, but we have to play out the games and see what happens. If the, if Stanford can do that to us, we'll need to have to do that to some other teams that are going to be favored over us as the year goes on to get to those six wins. But, you know, we're not in any place. I think you mentioned in your uh, wrap-up video with Brian after the game that, that you predicted you thought we'd be four and three, just didn't think it would work out this way. <clears throat> yeah, it does kind of feel like the first time the support for Coach Prime is really tested, right? You know, the Oregon game was disappointing, somewhat expected, and you could tell that was a snowball game. This was a game, one of the few early in the season that Colorado was expected to win. And so to get out to a 29-point lead, it's going to draw the haters out and it almost feels kind of a circle the wagons moment for this program, not just internally. And coach prime mentioned that internally who loves a game of football. We're going to find that out here going forward the next five weeks. Cause that's going to really going to get tested by coach prime and his staff. And coach prime has even been honest about the fact that, you know, his, his staff he's challenging at this point. And then outside the program, you have the diehards U fans that went through one and eleven, and they're just going to be around. If they made it through that, they made it through however long they've been around. Did they go back to the John Embry era? Did they go back to Dan Hawkins to Gary Barnett? If so, then I would imagine they're bust for life, and that's never going to change. There's the Coach Prime diehard fans that are are new on board, and hopefully every CU fan fan is welcome that because we need more support. We want Colorado to be on the national landscape, which it is. And there's kind of this fringe in the middle, right? Of people that have been paying attention and either wanted it to go great or have it exp explode. And, and it's not exploding. It was just a rough Friday night, but I think you're going to see, um, I don't know, 
things come clear in terms of who's really supporting this football program. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Well, I think it's going to take a little more time. You know, I think you got to wait and see how the season plays out. You know, I remember thinking before the season when, you know, all the so-called Noah pundits and people that know things that were saying three wins and whatever. And I remember thinking, you know, well, that's just silly that nobody's really paying attention that, that would say that sort of thing. But I also it's funny. It's people, funny how those people sort of cut you off. It's funny how those people change their narrative, right? Colorado already went over that. And now. Yeah. because expectations have risen. Now we can take another shot. And it's like, well, be consistent at least. If you thought they had the worst roster in college football or you thought they were going to win less than three games, then don't change the narrative now that they, they've gone four and three. Well, I think that that's the nature of human of hum, of humanity. People change their story once once the, went to, to fit what they want it to be. And I think a lot of those people either don't understand Deion Sanders or don't want him to succeed. Or I, I don't think many of them really care one way or the other about Colorado because we've been such a non-entity in football for such a long time that, that nobody really cares. But I think that Deion Sanders uh, is very polarizing for a lot of reasons, and we could talk about them, and I'm happy to do that. Um, I think a lot of them come down to, you know, the type of personality he has in this country, you know, um, as an outspoken black man, and, and a lot of people don't like that. But um, <clears throat> what I found that's interesting about him is that, that he's much deeper than than the, the sort of the portrayal of, of who he is and the way he comes across in the media. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I, but I remember thinking beforehand, you know, before the season, if we really are going to struggle the way people say, and, you know, we're, we're I, you know, figured probably have a, a tough time at Oregon and, and USC. How is that going to work and how is that going to play with people when we don't, if we don't have a winning season, you know, if we're five and six or whatever. So I guess we'll find out how that goes with people. But um, I think there's a certain percentage of people that don't want him to succeed. Some of them have a vested interest that if, if his way succeeds because of his personality, that's a problem for them because they, are in the same business, you know, and uh, if, if he, it, it's kind of a, it, it's a, sort of a zero sum game to some extent, you know, if coach prime is, is doing great, um, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't necessarily help opposing teams, you know, it's, it's good for opposing teams on a certain sense of Colorado is no good. And it's a guaranteed win every year and all that kind of stuff. Plus I don't think they can do things the way he does it. Um, so it's in their interest to, for him to fail. And then there's just people that just don't like him because of who he is and what they believe he stands for and and i don't believe he stands for the things that most of those people think he does um i think he stands for really good things and and that will come out over time but uh i think friday night is disappointing because it's the it's the first time that we we, we lost to a team that has lesser talent than us as i said before but um you know <laughs> 
if you don't have question marks about this coaching staff after that game, you're kind of you're, you're in the Kool-Aid brigade. You're, you're not looking at this seriously because there were serious coaching deficiencies in that second half. And what was it, 17 or 19 penalties in one game? That, that, 17, that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's coaching malpractice. I'm sorry. It really is, and they need to fix that. We don't have an offensive identity yet. Our offense, you know, somebody mentioned on asked me on the board today, do, do I think we our offensive line blocks better in the run game or the pass game? I honestly think they are better in the run game, but we don't run the damn ball. Um, so I don't know. Um, the secondary was, should be the strength of the team, and they were abysmal in that second half. And, and I go back to you said uh, a couple weeks ago um, that this team – had a different level of passion and focus and a chip on their shoulder and intensity in those first two games when they were being questioned and everybody says, this isn't going to work and you're no good and blah, blah, blah. And they sort of had that us against the world mentality. And then they got it back in the second half of Southern Cal. And I imagine that was because of, you know, what coach prime had to say at halftime. And then they had it back in the beginning of the Stanford game. Um, and I, you know, I suspect that's because all week long, Coach Prime was challenging them and telling them, I'm going to find out who, who wants to play this game. And then they get up really big and they lose it again. This team, curiously enough, is they're not handling success very well. When, they, when they're successful, they seem to drop off and lose that intensity. And then they just don't play well. I mean, it was quite clear on, on Friday night. Um, when they came out in the second half and everything was entirely different. So that's one thing. I think they're struggling with success. Um, and I think things let they've let some things go to their heads. And I sort of feel like um, many of them think that they can act and try to be like Deion Sanders without playing like Deion Sanders first. He gets to be who he is because he proved it first on the field. And some of these guys need to realize you got to do it on the field before you talk about it a lot in the media or wherever else you do it. There's a lot to chew on there, William. Let's go back to the beginning of your comments there. And I think it was true what you said. I think the people that don't like Coach Prime and are vocal about it are either the football purists that football is done a certain way. And if anybody veers from that, we're just going to be annoyed by that. Uh, But then there's also, yeah, the people where, to Coach Prime's point, his confidence messes with their insecurities. and. I think it's a little bit of both Um, in terms of the team and their edge. I would agree with that. It's, it's tough to be 18 to 22 years old and to always have the right perspective and always do the right thing. And that's what we ask these guys to do, right? I'm I'm, I'm 59. I have trouble with it. Yeah. You know, there's one thing that I, I loved about the Mike McIntyre era when he gave the guys a bracelet that said uncommon on it, because it was like, you're on campus with these college students that are acting a fool every day. You have to be uncommon. And it's a lot to ask these guys to do that when there's so much attention on them. And, but at the end of the day, they got to get it done if they want to stay in this program. And so it kind of feels like open tryouts here the last five weeks of the season, and they can still reach their goal of getting to a bowl game. They can still reach their goal of getting to a winning season, but that that's a tough loss to get over. You hate that it comes before a bye week because I would hate to be the team that would play them next weekend. Had they not had the bye week 
Yeah. You wanted to get that five and two record going to the bye week and then work on some stuff and have, you know, good vibes going out to UCLA. And, and now it's kind of the opposite. Now, maybe it could turn out to be a good thing in terms of this team seems to do better with their back against the wall. And maybe they need to hear this for two weeks in terms of, you know, you, you've got a lot to work on. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Only thing that's going to tell us the answer to that is what happens on the other side of this bye week, right? Well, and, you know, one thing that I would say is, like, people that say it's about a talent issue, you're not paying attention. I mean, because clearly there's talent there because look at what happened in the second half against Southern Cal. We matched up against some of the best talent in the country, and we and we kicked his tail. Look at what happened in the first half of Stanford. We clearly outclassed them in terms of talent. But if this team doesn't play with its head on straight, they don't have enough talent to overcome that. You know, like Georgia can come out and play like we played, like hot garbage, as Coach Prime put it in the second half, and still win because their level of talent is extreme. We have enough talent to beat anybody left on our schedule. I challenge anybody to say differently because we've shown it. We've played that way against TCU. We've played that way against Southern Cal. We've shown that we can match up against the better teams on our on our schedule. We won't be able to do it if we don't play right, if we don't have that, you know, you know, that sort of, I guess I would call it almost desperation. We have to win, you know, those first two games against TCU and, 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 and Nebraska were almost like a religious crusade for, you know, lack of a better term. They, they were just, you all doubt us so much and we want to support, we, we believe in our coach and we believe in us and we're going to show you, you know, when this team has that, we're going to show you kind of, you know, uh, I had the tiger, you know, from my way back in the day. Uh, uh, for lack, of, again, I'm I'm struggling. I, I I'm I'm struggling to come up with what I want to say. Don't about, don't veer away from yeah. Eye of the Tiger. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But when they have that, and when they've got that focus, and when they've got that, you know, we're together kind of bond. They're a tough team, and they're 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 and they're almost unbeatable, you know, except by really top of the line teams but when they come in and they don't have that fire in the belly they are very much a beatable team you know so they need to figure out and coach prime needs to figure out how to how to find that all the time you know they they, they that first half was about as complete as as you could play football all the way every aspect of the game if they can find a way to bottle that and, and keep the switch on to that that play mode all the time, then yeah, they win two or three games on the way out. You know, if they come in complacent and, and not focused like that, then they're going to get beat a lot and it's going to be not pretty. Um, <clears throat> that being said, you know, we go back to the seven or eight dogs that, that coach prime was talking about, you know, I had a distinct feeling in that second half. I kept waiting for somebody. Okay. And I say somebody because it doesn't have to be, you know, I think back in the day, I think back in, in, you know, that 1990 season, there were games when we struggled and a guy like Alfred Williams on the edge would say, this ain't happening. I'm not doing, you know what? And he, and he would turn his game up a notch and become so dominant that, you know, you just couldn't lose. Or, or Michael Westbrook was that, was that kind of a guy, a wide receiver too. Eric Bianami in fourth quarter at, at Nebraska in, in uh, I think it was 90 or 91, um, where we scored four touchdowns in the, in the fourth quarter, and basically on his will alone, we won that game. We don't have that guy right now. We got we got Shador, um, and he's he's. I think he's one of those guys. I think it was very clear that uh, 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 that Travis Hunter was not 
Travis Hunter, Friday night. Um, well, you're you're throwing a bunch of stuff out there real quick. I think Shador is that guy, but on the fourth down play in overtime where he throws a pick, there were two guys that ran into each other. Yeah. So you're 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 throwing the cape on Shador time after time, but you got to throw him a little bit of help. And and when you threw him a little bit of help late in CSU, he could pull pull out the cape and get it done. But uh, you still got guys seven weeks into the season that haven't learned this offense. And it's got to be frustrating if you're Shador Sanders, who has these amazing physical gifts and, and, and knows the offense like the back of your hand. And you don't have the pieces that are doing what they need to do. But you also need to have it happen on defense, you know, and like in in the in the uh, uh, CSU game, you know, they came through with sack and stops and, and things like that. And so somebody we don't have <clears throat> you have to have somebody on either side of the ball. You have to have, you know, to go along with Eric Bianami in that game. You, you've got Canavis and, and Alfred on defense and we didn't have anybody that could step step up and stop what they were doing on Friday night. And we were waiting for that guy, whether it's a guy in the front seven who who can just you know, start putting pressure on the quarterback and, and rattle his game or somebody in the secondary who could shut down that number 13 or something like that. Nobody stepped up on defense and you got to have somebody step up on both sides of the game. And, 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 and to your point, you know, I mentioned also like you, if you had the enemy on that team, you also had receivers that could do that. We have some receivers that are, that are pretty amazing players, but when I'm talking about those kinds of guys, you know, they're, they're, we, we didn't, I don't know. We just didn't. I think Shadur is that guy for sure, but he can't do it by himself. And we needed one or two others to step forward. You know, we 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 have not established our running game, and that's as much on Lewis really as on anybody. But I just waited for somebody to step up on defense and become that guy who said, you know, um, Nate Landman was one of those, but he had, you know, he had he didn't have Shadur, <laughs> right? He had, well, he had nine. He had, you know, and not to be rude, but he had nine schmoes playing around him. You know, it, it was him and Wells and nine, you know, and, and nine other guys. You know what I mean? And at some point, you got to have something. We got enough on this team. So what I'm saying is, is if somebody steps up, you know, uh, and we've had it happen this year. You know, um, uh, McClendon stepped up for a sack in one of those games, and, but somebody's got to take that on and become that guy. And you can't stand by and watch, you know. Somebody has to step up and, and want to be that guy and be that guy. I coached I coached a game one time, um, a team I was coaching, and we we were playing for a championship, playing against our arch rivals, and came down to uh, uh, the last drive of the game. We need to drive down and score, and and you know, you know, you're trying to you want to you get everybody there on there. I was offensive line coach. We we're looking at who we're going to get the ball to. And, and I looked around, and there wasn't anybody on that offense that wanted that ball. Nobody wanted to be that guy, right, except the one kid who was our star tailback who was out with an injury. And and so the next day in films, and they're all jacking around and joking during the films. And, and you know, I, I asked the head coach, stop, stop, stop the films. And, I, and I, I stood up and said, I don't know what the hell you all are joking and laughing about. That's supposed to be your arch rival team you talked about all the time. And yet when we call that timeout with, you know, that last drive, there wasn't one of you in here except this guy over here who's hurt, who wanted a damn ball. So shut the hell up. If you don't want to win, get the hell out. And I think that's what Shadur is talking, or what uh, Coach Prime is talking about, looking for those kinds of guys who want, who love the game so much that they're the ones saying, "You, you, I will do it. You know, give me the ball, I'll do it. Put me out there on defense, and I'll make it happen." And we're we're still missing that guy on defense, I think. Coach Prime called the 
late kickoff, which I don't know, was sometime around what 8 30 when they finally kicked the thing on. Yeah. On Friday. Yeah. yeah. He called it the stupidest thing ever invented in life. I've <laughs> agreed with most of what Coach Prime has said since taking over in Boulder. And I, I don't know if there's anything I've agreed with more than that. It was uh, a very late evening. The bright side. William, is that Ralphie Six finally got off to a, a quick start, got out to the 47-yard line, very indicative of the way, the way the team played in the first half. And she only got to the out to the 32-yard line. I don't know, is this uh, in the second half? Is this a animal instincts, intuition yeah. type thing when there's oh. a storm coming and they know where to go? Uh, I don't know. I think I think people are making a lot of that. It's not, not that, you know, I don't know if she'll work out in the long run, but um, – who knows? I think she's a young Buffalo, whatever. I, I, I think it's indicative though. I, I go back. It, it was, it's been interesting to me this year, you know, even when we're having success, all the various different things that everybody's complaining about. And it's kind of like, holy crap, man. Even when we start to do something right, people want to find something they don't like, but um, I, I was, I was, I was more saying that in jest, William. Like, I don't yeah. think that uh, Ralphie really knows what's going to happen on the football field. I do know that she's got grain in her trailer, so it's hard to blame her for cutting that a little bit short if she knows that she's getting a reward once she gets to her trailer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't try to understand bu- buffaloes. I don't even understand humans most of the time, so hard to say. Mike McIntyre <clears throat> had uh, the famous Buffalo picture press conference where he talked about how buffaloes go in headfirst into the storm because it's the quickest way through. So uh, maybe we need to, to send Ralphie out to Los Angeles and do a little reconnaissance tour uh, before they head out to the Rose Bowl. Should we talk a little bit about the, the first half? Actually, before we get into that, William, I got to say it was a, a really stale atmosphere at Folsom Field. I was down on the field pregame before the USC game, and they didn't win that game, but they outperformed what people thought they would in that football game. And there was a absolute buzz on the sideline and i get that it's a top 10 program in boulder so that's why you you have that buzz but brian howell and i were waiting for travis hunter to come out pregame and we're just standing there and looking around and it just fell off in there now they got out to a 29 nothing lead so that didn't really matter at that point but you saw a lot of people leave at halftime sure a lot of people turned off their tv at halftime it just they didn't get the support down the stretch from the crowd that they probably deserved or should have had given, you know, what they were trying to accomplish going into the bye week five and two. I just, I thought the family weekend vibe was off in Boulder. There was a lot of people around happy, but you didn't have that. We got to win this football game vibe around town. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think there's a, a sort of a natural letdown, you know, you know, those, those first uh, few weeks were so crazy, you know, the build up to go to tech, to TCU and then Nebraska and CSU. And we had all the, the Saturday shows in town and there was just so much excitement and buzz and what have you. And then uh, uh, to some extent that, that kind of wears off and you, you go on the road to Arizona state and, and then you come back and it's a, it's not a good team that you're playing and it's Friday night. And, and uh, it's natural for uh, people to drop to, to kind of have a letdown you know, it's not an exciting team you're playing. It's Friday night. It's not even Saturday. You don't get up in the morning and, and do your tailgating and everything else. And, and it's just different. It's just, it, I think it's, 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 
expected that it would be a drop off for everybody. You know, the, the media wasn't paying attention as much. We don't have the, the, you know, shows there beforehand to build up that excitement or whatever. And I don't know, it's just late on a Friday night and it's just a weird feeling, you know, and it was, it was very clear uh, <clears throat> that, that, that something was different about it and that it was off. Now, you know, I think it's different. People say, well, that should matter because uh, uh, Stanford played at the same time. Eh, you know, they're on the road. It's different. You know, they weren't part of the same sort of excitement that we were the last four or five weeks. And so I think this is the first time that we really kind of went into a game with nobody really kind of paying attention. If you for I don't know, for lack of a better term. Um, so it was an interesting. It's just a really interesting vibe, I guess, the whole way around because it's Friday and it's Friday night and it's late and, and what have you. So I think that's part of it, but I don't know. You got to show up and play when you play. I think college football is meant to be played on Saturdays to me. And I don't like those Thursday games. I don't like the Friday games either. Friday nights for high school football, but there it is. You got to show up and play when you, when you, when you got to play. I, I think this team, I think there are times, and I think this was one of them where our team listens too much to its own, uh, you know, self-congratulations or I was going to say press clippings, but the press clippings are, are, are kind of mixed, you know, you, you get good with the bad, but I think sometimes this team uh, thinks too highly of itself, you know, and it's like you haven't accomplished enough yet to be patting yourself on the back and thinking you can go through the motions. And so I think that was part of, they got up 29 to nothing. And, and, you know, I've been part of teams as a player and as a coach where this happened, you know, where, we're, we're, we're too good for these guys. We don't even have to take them seriously. And I think that's really what happened more than anything else. Well, I think they took them seriously out the gate, but as yeah. coach prime said, after the game, you can say it's zero, zero coming out of the locker room, but that's just a lie. You know, everybody knows that it's 29 zero. And that's one of the things I appreciate his honesty that he's willing to admit that there's, there's human instincts at play here. You can try to coach speak your way out of that, but the bottom line is those kids knew coming out of the locker room, they were up 29, nothing. And there's nothing you can really say at halftime. That's going to change that. Uh, what you need is a team that's mature enough to handle that situation. And they weren't on Friday night. Well, and they don't have the team leaders yet either. I mean, Shadur is one, but he's not sort of that vocal leader, you know, that gets you kind of going and there's no, and that's another thing I was waiting for Friday night was we don't seem to have those guys. And maybe that's because, you know, 90% of this team came from somewhere else and they haven't been together for a long time that I wonder if guys are reluctant to step up and be that kind of leader and take charge in that moment. But we didn't have anybody. And I remember Coach Prime said something in his final thing about, you know, going into the locker room at halftime after, you know, fizzling on that one drive that that, that there seemed to be lackadaisical. I can't remember the exact word he he used, but uh, something about not, not he, he could feel Complacency. it. Complacency, that's it. Yeah, complacency as he's going into the, the locker room, you know, and they need to have some guys on the team who are the leaders and who love the football. And so, you know, I'm, I, I took some notes I, from, from his press conference, and some of these things really stood out to me. Like he said, right now we're not built for the moment. We're not built for the moment. Some of our players aren't built for the moment where they have to make a play or they have to keep contained or make a block or get, a, get, get another thing, you know. So that's what I'm talking about is, some of those guys, you you have to step up, man. You know, it's like great players make plays. He said, he said, def <clears throat> defensive backs either play, and that's an I underline is because it really stuck out to me. Defensive backs either play to make a play or play to stop a play from being made. I like the guys who play to make a play. 
we got to we got to get to that point. What he means is guys who who go who go out to I'm not going to go out and stop the guy from catching the ball. I'm going to go out and intercept it. I'm going to go out and make a play, not stop a guy making a play. I hope people understand what he means by that because that's exactly what I'm saying. Is those kinds of guys who change uh, change games. Um, you know, he's talked about not being smart, not being disciplined, not understanding the moment. You know, um, and you know, like 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 Travis Hunter with that penalty. You know, you you have got to know uh, that when a guy shoves and pushes you, you have to be bigger than that. You have to let that go and go back to the huddle because you. you it, it's arguably that's that's the key pe- play of the game, right there. You know, and there's there's a couple that could be that play, but you know you cannot retaliate. They always get the second guy. Um, but, uh, these guys have to learn some of these things and they, and they have to learn, they have to, you know, figure out some of this stuff. Now, now some of this stuff, some of those 17 penalties come onto the coaching. How the hell do you get 12 men on the field? What was it four or five times? I mean, that, that, that is an undisciplined team. That's guys that don't know where they're supposed to be. And that comes down to the coaching to me. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that. I think, you know, I have, you know, I think well I'll tell you I, I wouldn't mind being a fly on the wall for uh Charles Kelly's speech to the team in that regard. I'm sure it happened yesterday. But you could tell Charles Kelly that's not the way they were coached to and I don't know if that falls on the assistant coaches or or who's in charge of that but uh I don't know if I've ever seen a coach more frustrated without yeah. lashing out. Yeah. So props to to Charles Kelly for, you know, not pushing somebody or for doing something he would regret. Well, you could I, see it on his face, man. I I don't know if I've seen a coach that pissed off before. Well, watching the replay on camera, and they kept focusing on him. And I was like, Jesus, this guy's going to have an aneurysm, man. He's going to fall over. He, you could just—he was so, you know. Uh, I I swear to God, it looked like if he had something, he in his hands, he'd have broken it. But um, you know, I'm old school, and I think he is. I think uh, uh, Coach Prime is, and to some extent. You know, you, you have to learn. You have to learn those lessons by punishment. And you know, I'd run you till you drop, and we'd be like, okay, next the ne- next time we go out and this happens, I mean, you know, you, you, I'm gonna take you off the field and I can play. You figure it out. It's all it's all up here. You if you can't get your mind in the game, you won't play for me. Um, so there's lots of ways to handle it, and they need to find a way to handle it. But it, 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 it's you know. And it needs to come from the top. I mean, you know, Coach Prime needs to go into his, and it's not just the players. I mean, he, he needs to have a meeting with each individual coach and say, look, this isn't acceptable. I'm not taking it from them. I'm not taking it from you. If you want your job, if you want to stay here and and, and stick this out or whatever, you're going to get your unit fixed and make it right with your unit. And, and, and he needs to have that conversation with every single coach on the staff, you know, top to bottom and, uh, to get everybody on, on the same page. Cause there's, there's, there's clearly question marks in my mind about this coaching staff right now. So they built a 29, nothing lead and it was Travis Hunter's beautiful spin move that started that uh, Xavier actually should say Xavier Weaver had three touchdowns. Uh, Travis Spunt, Travis Hunter with a beautiful spin move on a first half touchdown. How one of the, the good moments from Friday night was Caleb Fourier's two point conversion. Did you happen to see the video I post on a message board of Christian Fourier, a, a former buff legend watching that on, on replay? No, I didn't see that, but I, Christian Fourier is one of my favorite all time CU players. Yeah. He, he to me is like the prototype of a tight end. He was hard nosed. He could block like an offensive tackle. and was a great receiver downfield. So that, that was fun. 
Yeah, he's uh, in media out in Boston. He used to work, do some stuff for ESPN. And it was cool to see his reaction, proud dad moment. And his son, Caleb, has been a, a good player, has just dealt with, I mean, you could do the Allen Iverson body chart of injuries and it would fill up a lot of that <laughs> that diagram. Uh, the Mana missed field goal at the end of the first half. There was a, a, a poor snap that kind of threw off his timing on that. So I don't know if that. Uh, had any effect in terms of him and missing that what what are your thoughts on Trevor Woods playing linebacker and this was something that I asked coach prime about after the game was this just a matchup deal with Stanford or do you like him in that role and he said that he's selfless and that they like him in that role I don't know he's obviously on the the small end of a linebacker what what do you think about him there well I mean you know he's not he's not really any smaller than than uh Gant I would say but Look, you know, let's be honest here. Let's 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 just tell it like it is. If they're moving a safety down the linebacker, they're not happy with their linebackers, or or somebody's out. You know, there, there's clearly something going on with Juju Mitchell that I don't know what it is. They're not saying, um, you know, and it seems to be uh, not necessarily physical, but something going on with discipline or whatever. But they're they're clearly not happy. You're not you don't you, you don't move a guy to to a position seven seven games into the season. Uh, if you're happy with that position. So there is no way to spin it other than they are not happy with what they're getting from the inside linebackers. And so they're, they're moving woods down there to help shore that up. I don't disagree, but they also do want Shiloh Sanders to be on the field. They want Cameron Simlin Craig to be on the field. They want Miles Slusher, who played a good game on Friday, to get more action. And then Roger Ward has actually gotten better every game yeah. since he's been inserted in the starting lineup. And He's one of those guys you never question their effort. He's certainly undersized as a safety at this level, but man, he sticks his nose in there. And and I thought he played a really good game as well. We're going to get into this. It was really the corners that let them down in the second half. It was pretty solid play by the the safeties, I felt like, on Saturday. So at least moving Trevor Woods also does give you another opportunity to get your best players on the field. But I, I don't disagree that, you know, if the linebacker play was elite, then you're not doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're Georgia and you got you're loaded at every position, then you know, if you 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 got a guy that's a great player at safety, he doesn't play. You know, I mean, that's that's the downside of having a loaded roster is that some great players sit on the bench and they don't play. But uh, um, <clears throat> you know, we've been saying, I think everybody's kind of been saying all along that the weakest link on this defense has been the line, the inside linebackers, and they haven't really got the job done. You know, and again, I don't know what the hell's going on with Juju Mitchell because one day, one week, he's the best player out there and the next week he's not playing at all. I think there's legitimate questions people are raising about some of the uh, player rotations at a variety of positions on this team, and that's certainly one of them. Um, why guys play one week and then they don't play it down the next week. So I'd be curious to, to know what the reasons for some of those are, and some of them maybe they're not going to tell us. I don't know. It's not, you know, they don't have any... Uh, <clears throat> It's not a requirement for them to share with us why they're doing what they're doing with players. Um, but that's an interesting position right there on defense. I think, yeah, you know, cornerbacks are are, are, are in a tough position and, and but they're supposed to be helped out by their scheme and by their by their defensive backs. You know, that 99 yard touchdown, you know, I don't know what the hell safeties were doing, but <clears throat> um, so, you know, uh Travis Hunter, you know, misses that play, but there's got to be somebody else there. I mean, there there can't be nobody there, and a guy goes. Are you talking about up. the 97 yarder? Yeah, that's where Omari and Cooper fell down. No, I'm talking about the one where where 
it, the guy was running across and playing and, and, and Travis Hunter sort of overplayed it and, and, and overran it. And then the guy kind of went back the other direction. So well, let's, let's go, let's go through it. You know, let's dive into this comeback here. Um, you know, first off, if your first punt offensively comes under seven minutes left in the third quarter, that's a football game. You should be winning. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that before where your offense is moving the ball, scoring enough where you don't punt until midway through the, the third quarter. And yet somehow you lose that football game. But you know, the other thing is football games are really long. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of opportunities for a team to, to scratch and claw their way back into it because I went into the rewatch just, baffled at how this happened you know i saw it on friday night but it still didn't compute to me but it was not as quick fasting as you would think you know it was something happened here something happened there and then before you knew it stanford was back in the game and at that point uh if you're a betting man you're always going to pick the team that has got the momentum right you know it doesn't matter the sport when a team is on on their heels in that sense and the other team is attacked them for as long as stanford did in that second half uh, you feel good that, you know, that team is going to carry that momentum through. Well, that, that goes back to what I've been saying every week is that it's a game of faith, you know, and, and, and they started to believe and we started to doubt, you know, and when we start to doubt, uh, especially in a game like football, when you start to doubt, those doubts creep in and they affect your play, whether you're aware of it or not. And, and, and I think that they're, you know, that's again, where you need that leader to step up and say, okay, enough play the way you know how to play. And we didn't ever get that. Nobody stepped up and did that. So, you know, it, it's clearly, it, it it's hard to put a finger on this game. It's like, I was going to say, well, it's clearly the defense that, that, that allowed this to happen. Well, not so fast, my friend, because if we'd have just, my God, if we'd have just run the dang ball the whole second half, we'd have used up enough clock that they couldn't have done it. So it's on Lewis, right? Um, but that being said, you know, we had a, you know, I think we might've found an answer at that right tackle spot and, you know, Kareem Harden had a really good game. And quite frankly, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. Um, but the play calling was suspect on offense. Um, and then we just, just didn't have an answer for what they were doing on, on def on their offense with our defense. All right. The comeback here. Yeah, the 97-yarder, that's a situation that reminds us that these guys are human. Omari and Cooper falls down. I rewatched it, I don't know, 10 times, and the camera angle wasn't great, but it, it looked like you know maybe he stepped on a, a divot out there or something because he just yeah. went down, and right. everybody else was kind of playing catch-up at that point and, and trying to you know attack his feet, but they didn't have the angle on him or the speed to catch up. And, and I know how to pronounce his name, but – I'm just going to call him number 13 for Stanford because uh, I don't know. It's like a Voldemort thing with Harry Potter. You don't want to say the the name out loud. He might come, come in here and come yeah. after me. I don't, he was a man possessed in that second half. My goodness. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I say is, you know, he stepped up like the guy we, we needed a guy like, like to do like he did on our defense and, and quite frankly on our offense, but you know, his, his, and we're not to that yet, but, but, you know, on his on his last touch, I don't know if it was the last touch in that, you know, the one where he kind of trapped the ball against Travis Hunter's head. I mean, God bless America, man. I mean, <laughs> that's one of those ones where you're like, ain't nothing you could have done any better. You know, what the hell, man? You know, I mean, they're, they're just literally, that's a great player having a great day, man. You know, and you see that, you know, like, and, and, and God, I, I, I'm just, 
I, I was going to say I was like a broken record, but all, all the young people out there probably don't even know what the hell that means anymore. But <laughs> I keep saying the same damn thing. We needed that guy. They had that guy. And in the end, that's the difference to me is that guy stood up for them and we didn't have anybody stand up for us. So, but the, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I'm a little lost. I think that, I think there, there were breakdowns. I think you can't rely just on a cornerback in a, in a play like that with Travis Hunter, where the guys down the field. Yeah, you, you do. But some of those others where they just ran and ran and ran and there was nobody there. Yeah. Well, that was the third touchdown by Stanford was, I don't know what was going on there because Travis Hunter wasn't playing a hundred percent on that play. Yeah. He can, he, and he kind of, he kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like he, it like his momentum carried him past the guy, the guy cut and his momentum carried him on. And then the guy went the other direction. There was nobody back there. Yeah. I agree with you though. The retaliation penalty when you're up 29, 19 early in the fourth quarter, that's one that it just can't happen going forward. Well, I think, and you look at it, and I watched that one over and over, and the guy really didn't do anything to him. I, I really feel like that—that that was Travis feeling frustrated that he wasn't doing better, and he was not, you know, he was not on his game defensively. I think he felt like, and and I'm not, you know, an amateur psychologist, and I don't know Travis, but he's one of those guys that is so good at his craft. And when you can't do it the way you know you know how to do it, it eats at you, and it's got to be super frustrating. And 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 what that guy did to him was so minimal to 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 warrant that sort of snap back. That I just have to feel like he was building up frustration that he wasn't doing better in that game. He did have a nice comeback touchdown catch. You know, at that point, you still you're like, okay. We got the spark we needed with the long Zay Weaver catch. And it was like that whole second half, you're just waiting for Colorado to get that spark. I right. thought when Travis Hunter had that touchdown catch that, okay, they've they've taken Stanford's best shot and they've gotten it back enough. They're going to be okay. Uh, but, you know, Carter Stoutmeyer, baptism by fire. You know, he yeah. gives up that fourth touchdown. Um, and, and the TV catches him talking back to Coach Prime. I don't know what words came out of his mouth, but – that wasn't a good moment either in this football game. Again, it goes back to these touchdowns that are creating the comeback are, are really on the corners. I, I didn't feel like the defense as a whole was playing an awful football game. Well, they weren't. They weren't getting great pressure, and they weren't getting somebody and putting. You know, you put a helmet in that guy's shoulder blades a few times, and he's going to not be as as easy to make those throws and make those catches. And, and at some point, you know, if you're rattling that quarterback and getting in his face, he's not. He had a pretty easy time back there, is I guess what I'm getting at. You know, the other thing about that uh, Travis Hunter touchdown was he was rocked pretty hard, and he seemed like he had. Uh, you know, that, that, that sort of rattled him a little bit and and that sort of rattled the team. I don't know. This, this team takes a lot of their uh, personality from Shador and from Travis. And, and I, I, I don't know, maybe this is goofy, but I, I just felt like that that rattled the team when it rattled him because he is very much the heart of this team. And I, I, I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm grasping at things to try to make sense of this whole fiasco and that's one of the things that sort of jumped out at me as well but uh we just didn't have an answer on defense to to stop them doing what they were doing and, you know it, it's easy to say you know carter stoutmeyer on the touchdown but there were other plays where we could have stopped them you know we could um uh i don't know there you know that that 
and I'm I probably I probably got my events mixed up, but I thought there was a penalty that we would decline on the play before Travis's penalty or something like that, and, and we could have got them off the field, and we didn't. So there were some coaching question marks on in the terms of decision making. You know, I hear the reasoning for why we we take the ball first on on overtime, but I don't think it makes sense. But I don't know. There are question marks for me in coaching. There are question marks to me on player attitude, which I think comes down to coaching. But um, uh, and and we still need we still need a few of those players. You know, like it, it's been a conversation on the board last couple of days. Somebody brought up Bill McCartney. Well, Bill McCartney was not a good game day coach. He really wasn't. Anybody who says otherwise wasn't there. Um, and I remember, you know, one year playing Michigan and they kept burning us with the tight end. I'm like, for God's sakes, man, somebody on the sidelines do something different, you know, but what he did do was he does what prime does. He could recruit like man. He could, he could uh, motivate like man. He hired good assistant coaches. Um, but we don't have, we don't have the players on the field yet to, be, to get away with that kind of stuff. So I, I, I wish we still had, you know, it'd been nice if we had, you know, I was thinking at one point if if we had um, 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 Casey Roddick and, and and Tyler Brown at guard and and Wells at center, that we could just hand the ball off to Hank, man, up yours. We're just going to run this thing up the middle, and you can't stop us, right? But you know, we don't have those guys right now, and so we didn't do that. Or Lewis doesn't have the mentality to do that. I don't understand a lot of what's going on on that side of the ball either, but. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just talking in circles out of frustration now. I mean, there was another play. There was another play that stood out to me late in the game, and it was a third down pass from Shador with three minutes left. And he airmailed it, and it would have been a a conversion. I feel like that's a a pass Shador Sanders completes 98 or 99 times out of 100. And there were just so many moments where you just felt like, even though Stanford had mounted this huge comeback, just one more play here would have gotten it done. And I thought maybe the play that would have done exactly that was what happened, but didn't get backed up by the defense. And that was Mark Vassett's punt down Mm -hmm. to the one yard line. We've had so many fun moments. It's something that my wife has brought up to me that she loves that every week there's like this new star for Colorado football last week after the Arizona state game, it was Mata before that it was Omari and Miller. You know, you had the, the Dylan Edwards game, the Mikey Harrison game, that almost turned into the Mark Bassett game because right. he punts that thing inside the one yard line. And you're thinking, okay, again, despite all of the issues in the second half, Colorado has finally gotten another break. Let, let's, let's finish this. And uh, it didn't work out, work out that way. But I mean, for a punter, that is, that is the Mecca right there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it'd be, it's the second time he's done it this year. Remember that one at TCU that kind of went, yeah right like that but and so you know really kudos to him and god i kind of choked on that kudos to the punter uh hold on i gotta take a drink here is mark is mark currently on your top 40 for next year if he comes back no i was nice to Mata last week and now i'm nice to Vassett. so what are you doing to me man it's like we're not doing bill intervention here okay <laughs> stop um but you know, talking football, there is nothing. Well, there are a few things, but there are a few things that break a team more than giving up a 99 yard play, 97, whatever. And and it's a psychological thing. And it really is a backbreaker. And I remember all, you know, I go back as far as 1982 watching um, Dallas play Minnesota 
and and Dallas is on, on on their own one yard line, and Tony Dorsett goes ninety nine yards for a touchdown, and, and it just changed the game. It changed the game because other side, you know, you're, you it, it buoys your team up and it deflates the other side, you know, and and it's just one of those kinds of plays, like a block punt for a touchdown or something that that just totally changed the direction of a game. And there's a several. I, I would caution people, please. Please, let's not make this game about any one guy or another, okay? Let's not say it's Travis because of that penalty. Let's not say it's anybody else. There were several different moments in this game where the momentum changed. You know, one of them's halftime. And so there's lots of places to point the finger. Let's not make it about one guy. This whole team failed in the second half. Um, um, But I think there's still good things to take from it. I think – you know, I thought we saw decent play from our offensive line, and don't don't take that too far. And I'm not saying they were great, um, but I, I liked what I saw from Kareem Harden. You know, I don't know what we do with him. Maybe he takes one of those guard spots when Washington's back. But I liked what he did out there. Maybe wonder why we hadn't gone with him the week before, but so be it. Um, I don't know. It, it, I know it's hard to take look for positives out of something like that because it's so gut-wrenching, but you know, I think they're, they're, they're there. And I still think that the future in the long term is bright. I don't know where we're headed for this season, but we're going to have to upset some people to get there. I think that six and six has still got to be the goal. Uh, and I'm not packing in the season. Hell with it, man. That's why they paid the play. You know, if Stanford can do that to us, we can do that to other people. Now, you know, I think it's getting harder because Arizona looks like the real deal. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about looking at what we got to go with down the season, or maybe we just take our our, our look and, and wrap this up. I don't know. One of the things, one of the things prime keeps talking about, and maybe we talk about this for a second is, is like, you know, are you in love with the game? I'm looking for guys who are in love with the game the way I am. And, and I, and I think that, that there's a couple things I think about that. Number one is when you're as good as coach prime is, I think it's hard to be a coach because other guys can't do what you do, man. They can't do it. And, and they don't have your personality and whatever. So you've got to have a balance in there too. And the other, the other talk about balancing that is like, um, I was thinking about that. You know, you know, a guy who loves the game the way prime does is Jack Bailey, man. That, God love that guy. He, he gives every scrap of everything he has because he loves this game. He's a graduate. He's not playing in the NFL. And as he's still out there busting his hump after everybody's, you know, saying he's the worst guy, blah, blah, blah. He's just not big enough, you know? So at some point you got to have the talent to go along with the desire and love of the game too. And so there has to be a balance there. And and, and I'm sure that, that uh, coach prime is looking for those guys that are both studs and have a love for the game. Cause we've all seen the guys who have the great talent, but no love for the game. And, so there has to be a balance there, and he he has to find that. Um, I guess I'm curious as to what he can do with the guys on the roster for the next five, six weeks um, to bring that out and to bring those guys to the fore, you know, and and I'm wondering if they're having question marks with discipline and, and cohesion, you know, with some of the guys that didn't suit up on Friday. And, and anything I say about that is pure speculation because I don't have any information except to wonder. I'm like Coach Prime. That's that's too much for me to even uh, – <laughs> I, I need it like in, in snippets. But the one thing I really want to talk about before we sign off on this and post-disappointment of what happened on Friday is that if this football team can find a way to get to six wins, does that, in your mind as a CU supporter, a former buff, 
make this Friday night kind of something that you can joke about down the road that you forget about that you forgive because most level-headed people have had a certain goal for Colorado football in 2023, and that's to exceed outside expectations. They already did that. They already went above the odds makers three and a half win total, but to get to a bowl game, to be able to sell that momentum to recruiting going forward, especially guys in the portal, if they get to six wins, if they go two and four down the stretch, they're six and six at the end of the season, what would you feel differently about what happened on Friday night versus how you feel right now, if at all? Well, it'd be forgotten entirely, quite frankly. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, like individual single games only get remembered if they start something bad or start something good. Right. And so, you know, the last time it was at Iowa State that this happened and we didn't win a game the rest of the season. Or was it? It wasn't Iowa State. What Oregon, Oregon State? Oregon. So, so the last time this happened was Oregon State, and then we didn't win another game the rest of the season. We didn't go to a bowl game, right? So that's why that game is remembered. If you go on from that and you win, a, you get a bowl game, and you go to a bowl game, you have a good recruiting season. Nobody remembers that game, right? Um, and then individual games, they only get remembered if they if they have a larger meaning, right? Because my God, you know, 12, 13, 14 games a year, nobody remembers any individual one. And teams have bad nights. So what? So if we get the six wins, I don't care about this. I give this, I won't give this game a second thought. It's not like, you know, it's not like if we got, if we, if we win uh, 10 and if only we'd won this, we'd go to the championship game, right? God, if, if we'd only won that game, it's not going to make any damn difference. Now, if we're, if we're five, if we're five and seven, then we're going to be looking back and going, man. Yeah, no, no, totally. You, you make, you make a good point there. It's that if, if a season goes, the way you want it to, like in 2016 with Colorado, you don't, you don't labor on the the Michigan game, a game that you would have been very memorable. What you think about is a Keller Witherspoon's pick. And you think about Cepho Lufau and Philip Lindsay, what they did during those final two home games. But those other seasons, when you don't reach your goal, so many five and seven seasons, you'll think back to the Arizona State game where Shea Fields drops an open pass that would have given them a big enough lead that they would go to a bowl game that year. You think of the Oregon State game in 2018. And yeah, that's exactly how it goes. It's at the end of the season, what you're going to remember, you're going to paint things in a certain light, positive or negative. And it becomes down to, to whether they lived up to what your goal was for that team. I feel like that going into that season. Right. And how, how you look at that particular game depends on how the season plays out itself. So if we get to a bowl game and I think anybody reasonable and rational had to look at six and six as being the goal for this team, you know, and we got excited early on and think all, then there were all kinds of possibilities with that three and zero start and, and what have you. But, uh, you know, we get the six wins. If we get the six wins, it means we we beat some teams we we're not supposed to beat on the way out. And, and then, then you feel differently. You feel good. You know, it's like we were yeah. taking this thing on, on a high note and the question in my mind is what if that doesn't happen? You know, what does that do to, to people's belief in coach prime and, and, and how we're going to do this and how he goes out recruiting and is able to bring in players. But I have to feel like regardless of how it plays out, you know, he's recruiting to a better situation now than he was last winter when he's like, Hey, come play for a team that, that, that's really sucked. And, and uh, only won one game, we come and change this. And, and, you know, a lot of good guys are like, man, I want to play for a winner. I don't want to be part of the experiment, you know? So it's not an experiment now. It's now it's look, I've shown you we can win, but we clearly just need a few guys. 
you know, so I don't know that it plays out. I think it'd be very disappointing to me if we don't find those last two wins. And I think we're going to see the inevitable and I think stupid comparisons to um, McIntyre and Hawkins and whoever. I don't think that those are appropriate comparisons given the situation, but uh, there's no doubt about it. It'd leave a bitter taste if we don't find those last two wins and I don't care who we play. I mean, these, these are, look like five tough teams, but they ain't USC and Oregon every week, you know? Yeah. How did Arizona go from looking like a winnable game on the schedule to now you're, you're scared as heck of them. They've, they've pulled it around UCLA. I know they lost to Oregon state yesterday. That's going to be a tough game, but I do think that if folks still are bought in to, to be in part of this Colorado fandom that, you know, they could take over the Rose Bowl yeah. a week from Saturday. You know, yeah, they don't support that football team at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, we, so there's a lot of like there's that. a lot of CU alum that live out in that area. That this could be a fun Saturday. Don't let well, what we happened. Need, we only need people to have more fans than you play in their own stadium, right? It could happen. It really could. It's yeah. too bad. That's another reason that, you know, kind of the 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 lack of a five and two start with just the momentum of excitement is maybe going to turn some people off, but I don't know. Again, well, going back to my initial part, it's kind of, it's kind of a circle the wagons moment for, for this program. You know, know, some people are going to be turned off and people worked off to begin with. And, and, and quite clearly there's a lot of people that have an agenda against coach prime. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of, some of it is his personality and, and some of it's the old school people, you know, let's be honest. Some of it's just purely, purely racial. And then some of those people are out there. Um, and then there are some people that just have a negative view of life, you know, and, Oh my God, it's it, things there. Here it goes again. And this is the way it goes for CU and what have you. But um, I don't think that he looks at it that way. And, and I think that he's in there working. One thing, one thing I think, <clears throat> that I would talk, say to people out there is, you know, I've seen a couple people say, hey, you know, maybe if he was doing fewer commercials, blah, blah, blah. Look, I guarantee you this guy wants to win and he's putting everything he can into this program. You can't be a coach 24-7, 365 days a damn year. And and when you say things like that, you are putting him down as a human being. And I, and, and I just don't agree with that. And, and he's putting everything he can into this program. Um, and so I think he's going to get this thing done. Uh, again, I'm, I'm <clears throat> a little nervous about the rest of this particular season, but you know, this guy, is, Coach Prime, has proven he's a he's a legitimate top ranked leader of of men. Okay, and he did that when he was a player too, because everybody that ever played with the guy ever said he gave more to the team than anybody else out there, and was always the guy helping out and what have you. Um, so you know. There is no question that a lot of people, you know, most of the other people we looked at that we could have gotten to this coaching position, nobody gives a damn about, right? You know, if we'd had, I don't know, Bronco Mendenhall or that guy in Nebraska or whatever, nobody would have cared one way or the other because they don't care about those people. You know, um, Deion Sanders has been a lightning rod in America since the 1980s, since he was a player. And that, you know, that says a lot more about the country than it does about him. All he's ever done is be a positive, happy person pursuing his dreams. You know, and that's what he's doing now. And and I think we everybody needs to keep their horse hitched to the wagon and, and let's just keep moving forward on this thing because good things are coming, man. You know, and, you know, people on the board. So, so one guy says, well, you're about sunshine and rainbows. Well, I, you know, that's how I'm wired, man. I try. I'm kind of like Dion. I'm, 
I try to find the good in, in, in all situations. There's a lot of good to be found in this situation. There wasn't a lot of good to be found about how that game ended, but there's still a hell of a lot of good things to be found in this particular uh, football program. And there's not another person on the planet I'd rather have as head coach right now than Deion freaking Sanders. And hopefully he does get them to six wins because I want to be somewhere warm around the holidays. Hopefully yeah. Yeah. we can pull off the warmest possible bowl game. It's been a minute since uh, I didn't cover the bowl game in 2020 when they went down to the Alamo Bowl because everything was done virtually that year. And our post game was done over Zoom. So there was oh, right. no point at that point to actually travel to cover a game. And so it's been since 2016. William, I want to cover a bowl game so badly. And uh Let's just hope though those dreams weren't shattered on Friday night. I don't think they were. I think they're going to find a way. It's going to be difficult, but you do have some games on the schedule where if you play like you have at times this year, and we've seen right. the the capability of this football team, and uh, it's you know back backs back against the backs against the wall once again as a football program, right. and which seems to be the best way this team operates. Yeah, um, and uh, so. Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm going to enjoy this bye week. I'm going to get caught up on some things. We've already done some basketball content, which is nice to get caught up on. Uh, are you uh, going to be watching a lot of football this week, or are you going to take a break from from the game? Uh, I don't know. It's just too, too early to say it. It's just, just take a nice week and, and uh, I don't know, not, ha- not have to go and do anything next weekend. We'll see what, we, what happens. I'm going to fly out to Los Angeles the day before the game and get a run along Manhattan Beach. I will miss uh, being able to go out to the beach on some of these uh, Pac-12 trips that we've had that are not going to exist going forward. But, hey, William, thanks, as always, for taking the time out. Again, we turn these more into therapy sessions than podcasts. It's kind of all over the place and just kind of trying to talk through our emotions a little bit following uh, what still was shocking to me. It's It still feels surreal. Um, but, uh, you know, again, football games are very long. You got to keep playing yeah. and, and they didn't right. on Friday night. Well, and you know, you can mark on your calendar, all those future visits to Ames, Iowa and Manhattan, Kansas, my friend. <laughs> I'll, I'll find a pond to go run around. I'm sure. So you have yeah. that to look forward to. All right, William, thanks to you. And thanks to everybody out there for tuning in.